0: My guest this week on the show is Melody Wilding. Melody's website is melodywilding.com. Melody is the author of a book called Trust Yourself. And interestingly, Melody's work has been featured in a variety of publications, including The Economist, CNN, USA Today, The Guardian, Time Magazine, um, Inc., Forbes, and so on. So why is that relevant? Because many guests we've had on in previous episodes have also featured in some of those publications, but perhaps not all of those publications. Melody says that early on in her career, in her, let's say, entree into the world of consulting, coaching, training, mentoring, she discovered a service called Help a Reporter Out or Harrow. And that is where journalists will contact people. Uh, They'll put out some requests for help or expertise on a range of subjects, and they solicit through this service the responses, guidance, expertise of people like you and me. And Melody says that this really helped her to come to the attention of prospective customers. So today we're going to cover what that is, how it's helped Melody specifically, and what she means by a flywheel, how one opportunity like Having something published can benefit your website, can benefit your brand, and can help you to come to a point where you can leverage media in your marketing. Loads today in this week's episode. This is the Training Business Podcast.
1: Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes.
0: Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people like you and me all around the world. And... This is all about the business of you making money from your programs, your workshops, your courses, books, keynotes, and so on. Now, if you're thinking, hang on a sec, I've done none of those things yet. That's okay, you're in the right place because we've got guests every Thursday to share their ups and downs, ins and outs, their lessons, their successes, and their failures with you to help you wherever you are on the journey. I'm a self-employed trainer. I've made loads of mistakes. I'm a coach, I'm a published author. And at one time, I was none of those things. So where do you begin or how do you go to the next thing in your evolution as an expert? Selling, making a full-time living from what you know, what you've done. That's why every Thursday there is an episode of the show on your podcast platform of choice. So don't miss out. Please stop this right now. Click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes as they come out. Melody, hi. Welcome to the show.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you.
0: You're in New York right now. And um, I'd like to thank you, first of all, for your time this afternoon. We've got lots to share with the audience. You're the author of Trust Yourself. And let's start with that. What brought you to the point where you're working for yourself? You're the author of a very successful book. You're a contributor to HBR, Harvard Business Review, etc. Most people at some point, weren't all of these things. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Well, my background is as a therapist. So that's how I started my career over 10 years ago. Hmm. And to build my business, I started using a tool that we're going to talk today, talk about today to get media exposure. And that really started this flywheel of Building my audience, building my reputation, I eventually transitioned from just doing therapy into coaching, since that was a better fit for my skill set and how I wanted to help people and what my clients were looking for. And now, flash forward uh, ten years or so, and it's really, it's really grown.
0: Is it just ten years?
1: Yes. So I started. Let's see, in 2011. So mm. a little over what is that? Twelve years now. Mm. Yeah. Gosh. Right, mm-hmm.
0: and how well is the book doing?
1: It's done very well. We've been very pleased that you know. Of course, when the book first comes out, it came out in May twenty twenty one. So in my head, I had visions of you know traveling across the world in the country to do book events, and with the pandemic, that did not happen. But uh, we've seen we of course saw a spike when the book first came out, but it's very very steadily been selling. And, uh, it's been, we're hitting that point where the word of mouth is starting to spike sales, which is Mm. fabulous because there's no greater compliment than someone enjoying the book and telling their coworkers or their friends or buying it for their family.
0: Mm. Okay. So when people think of writing a book, sometimes what stops them is this feeling of, or this voice, who am I to write a book? And that, has been described as imposter syndrome. How does imposter syndrome show up for solopreneur trainers, consultants, coaches, people working for themselves, building that brand of of me?
1: Yeah, imposter syndrome is, is really the feeling of being a fake or a fraud despite your accomplishments. So folks like you and I, trainers, experts, we feel like we have to know everything before we speak out about something or that it has to be a complete brand new breakthrough, never been heard of or written about before, before we put ourselves out there. And that, that's just one of the ways imposter syndrome can stop us. It, it's ironic. I wrote a book called Trust Yourself because I needed this book. <laughs> we teach what we most need to learn. And that was absolutely true in my case. And what I've discovered is that there's very little that's new under the sun. But in my case, it was about how can you put together and combine ideas or put them into a different context that people haven't heard about before. So in my case, I was taking a lot of therapeutic tools, things from cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment, mindfulness, and translating them into career advancement. How do you gain confidence in the workplace? How do you speak up for your ideas? And so it was, it was really that that made the book unique.
0: Right. So how does one overcome this? And the reason I ask this is because most people listening will at some point, if not currently, have felt that they don't trust themselves to share what they know in the form of a book or a course or keynotes, etc. What are the strategies that you've come across that successfully help people like us to overcome imposter syndrome?
1: Well, first and foremost, you cannot wait until you feel 100% ready. Because if you do that, you're going to be waiting forever. You have to do things a little bit scared. (laughs) You have to put things out there and before you feel they're 110% baked and perfected. And, you know, you have to trust in your ability to get better as you go. Every time you expose yourself to fear or risk or rejection. You build your capacity for that. And so I think it's important to reframe what we're doing. That even if something isn't an epic success, doesn't go viral, we don't get you know 5 stars on our, our ratings after a training, you have still built a valuable muscle of putting yourself out there, getting comfortable with that, perfecting your content or getting more comfortable with your content, for example. So we have to reframe the value from just success being... Uh, other people's approval and epic recognition at all times to reframing what what's the other value we can get out of it. So that's the first thing is you can't wait until you feel 100% ready. The second, and what I have found very helpful, is internalizing your accomplishments. Because that's a hallmark of imposter syndrome, is an inability to take in your achievements. You always feel like anything you do is not good enough. And any praise you get bounces off of you like like Teflon. And so I keep a praise file where I literally have you know positive reviews about the book, about my courses, uh, speaking engagement testimonials. And when I'm having a down day, you better believe I go back to that and I reinforce for myself. No, I actually am decent. I'm good. I'm good at what I do. I'm good. I'm a good coach. I'm a great trainer. I can convey concepts. And, you know, it. it's important to celebrate those little wins along the way and to take in those achievements instead of just brushing right past them and going on to the next thing.
0: It is easy, isn't it? Because I can say that's true. What you've just said to me resonates. There are times when I let someone's feedback get to me and I overlook the fact that behind this one incident of somewhat negative feedback there's a whole litany of people who've said nice things about me but the brain for some reason focuses on the thing that we don't like why is that do you think why we, do we have do a that?
1: natural we have a natural negativity bias right mm. we're all wired to look for threats in our environment and that one negative review review you get feels like a threat people don't like me i'll be expelled from the group Right, I'll never be hired again. My livelihood will be threatened. And so we go to that worst-case scenario. And that's why, just like you're saying, you could have 50 positive reviews or testimonials, but it's the one piece of negative feedback that can stick with you for so long. So we have to actively train ourselves to look for and to take in the good.
0: So let's come to the the thing we mentioned off air you and i were chatting before we clicked on record and there's something that you mentioned and i've looked at before i don't think i've fully explored this and it's helped you you say to get media exposure and it's how you built your business in the early days and it's something called help a reporter out now if this is if this is new to people listening let's start by explaining what exactly that is
1: help a reporter out is a free service they have a free tier. You can pay for paid tiers if you like, but I only use the free tier. It is a service that collates media and PR requests. So you sign up for this service and then three times a day, you receive an email with different queries from reporters, journalists, TV stations, radio, and they're organized by different categories. So there may be a business category, career, health, relationships for example and you you know as the expert if you find a query that fits your expertise or you think you can comment on you draft a response you email that out hmm. and most of the time 9 t- times out of 10 you just sit back and wait <laughs> to hear back 9 times out of 10 you will not hear back from the reporter you may just suddenly get a google alert that you've been quoted but as you said this was the primary tool that in the early days of my business, I used to get media exposure and then parlay that into bigger opportunities.
0: Right. So did that help you in terms of uh, defining what your book should contain, what, what people were looking for when it came to help from someone like you?
1: It's a great question. It helped in so many ways. So, first of all, it gave me credibility in the early days to be able to say, I've been quoted in uh, Business Insider or Wall Street Journal, for example. Uh, it also gave me better SEO for my website because you have these major sites linking back to yours, which from an SEO perspective helps your blogs, your pages rank more highly in Google. So, that was also very beneficial. And it did help me start to refine my positioning. So I started to become known for certain things because I was quoted in articles on imposter syndrome. Well, guess what? When when another journalist Googled someone, imposter syndrome expert, I was one of the names that would come out, they reach out to you. So it does start to build. uh, You get this sort of connection effect from it as well.
0: Okay. So... In terms of imposter syndrome, and we'll come back to Halo in a second, or the helper reporter out, hero, Haro, um you've, I suppose, like many of us, had other things in your career. Have you at any point ever said to yourself, I wonder why I am doing this, working for myself is tough? Would it not be easy just to get a job in a corporate environment where the paycheck is reliable, and I know what I'm doing, where I'm going? What made you feel that this was the right thing for you to do, to go out on your own, build your brand, and become that expert who shares expertise with people who need what you do?
1: Hmm. Well, I always say I'm essentially unemployable at this point in in my life that I couldn't be, couldn't have a regular job. I'm very lucky I came from a family of entrepreneurs. So I had that modeled for me at a very young age that this is a very viable, viable, Career path. I didn't, I actually didn't know people had normal nine to five jobs until I was school age and I saw other, (laughs) my friends' parents have normal jobs. But I think for me, I could not, not do this work. So I did have full time jobs before I started working for myself. And I was always coaching and writing on the side. This is just what I am called to. You know, if I had my, left to my own devices and my own free time, I would be researching things about personal growth and psychology and human behavior. That's just what I'm drawn to. And from a very young age, that's that's been the case. I've just always been fascinated with how people tick and why they do things the way they do.
0: So what kinds of organizations need Melody?
1: Well, I work with, I would say it's industry agnostic, but mm-hmm. I work with a lot of organizations that need their people to have greater confidence. So I work with a lot of uh, employee resource groups, uh, leadership development groups, um, uh, professional organizations that bring me in to help their folks counter imposter syndrome. I also talk a lot about assertive communication. I talk about high sensitivity in the workplace, which is another one of my specialties. And that's recently been gaining more traction with this idea of neurodiversity, that there are that we need different modes of thinking in the workplace.
0: If we think of, if I said to you, when was the big break that made you feel, you know what? Okay. I believe in myself. This is my passion. As you said, understanding what people tick, what has confirmed to you that this business has legs. And I say this because I think many people often confuse what I love to do with what I, I can make money doing what actually is a, a sustainable business. What was that moment for you where you felt it's not just the thing I'm called to do, the thing I love to do, but the thing I can actually make money from and, and build into an actual business that's viable?
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I think what's been a big shift for me is moving from B2C thinking to B2B thinking. Because to your point, it's one thing to have something I'm passionate about. And yes, that serves a need for individuals. And my sort of mode coming from the therapeutic world has been, how do I help individuals gain more confidence, speak up for themselves, what have you. But where things really took off is how do I translate that for an organization into outcomes that they care about? So if your people are suffering with imposter syndrome, they're not offering innovative ideas. They're not taking risks. They're afraid to admit mistakes, Hmm. which all of this can cost you a lot of money or your star performers aren't putting themselves forth for for promotion, or they're leaving because they think they can't do their job. Um, So connecting those dots was a huge epiphany for me because my mind was just not wired that way. But it also really helped explode my business because I, I was able to reach organizations and really scale what I was doing much more effectively. And of course, a big breakthrough was having the book come out. Where that was my methodology, my IP really organized and codified in a way that someone could easily consume. And I think that's very powerful to have your own branded concepts and ideas. Uh, That's very attractive to people because it's not just you're regurgitating other people's ideas, or you're not just training and sort of dumping information on people, you're really giving them something tangible and digestible that they can take forward and language that they can use.
0: Right. Um, I'm curious how long it took you to write the book.
1: That's a funny question because the proposal took me over three years, took me close to four years because I I really, it was a winding way to figure out what Mm. I was trying to say and what I was trying to write about. Once that happened and I was able to secure a book deal with a traditional publisher. The actual writing of the manuscript took about eight or nine months. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, about the same for me, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's coming back to creating a flywheel. That's a term you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation today. And it may not be a term that everyone's familiar with. Let's explain the concept of a flywheel and why that's relevant in terms of building a lead generation machine.
1: Yeah. And so in the case of help a reporter out, I, I say harrow as well. Mm-hmm. A flywheel might look like you respond to a query for help a reporter out. And pro tip, make sure that when you respond to queries, you, number one, follow their instructions exactly. They may say, I have three questions for you to answer make sure you specifically answer those three questions and respond in a way where the reporter would be able to copy and paste what you have shared and insert it directly into an article. Don't make them try to make sense of what you've shared. Because again, chances are they will just see it. They will copy and paste your quote. They'll pop it in in your article. So let's say that happens. You get published. uh, Let's just Use, for example, a site like um, CNN or Business Insider. I'll go with that since I mentioned that earlier.
0: Wouldn't that be nice? Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Yes. So a flywheel might look like you are able to take that quote, you reach out to the reporter, you say, thank you so much for including me. If there's anything I can do for you in the future, please let me know. They reach out to you in six months' time because they have another article that they believe you they could use your expertise on.
0: And they do so directly they, rather than going through
1: Correct. Hara. right? Yes, yes. They do so directly. They may refer you to their colleagues, which I actually just happened with Business Insider this week. Someone referred me to their colleague there. Um, You may, all, some another journalist may be Googling that same topic and may come across it and say, hi, I saw you commented on this topic in the past. I would love to hear you know, I would love to hear from for you from this article that I'm writing about. Um, so that can look like many different things. Something else I've also been able to leverage help a reporter out for is writing for publications. Now, of course, the best way to connect with these high-profile publications where you might want to publish your own thought leadership is through relationships. And so if... You speak with a, a journalist or a reporter, and you know that that site takes external expert contributors. So you have to do a little bit of your own legwork. At the end of your call with them, if you do a phone call, you can ask, you know, do you know if your editor at X publication is accepting more contributors? I would love to speak with them if that's the case. As the commissioning me-
0: editor, that person who exactly right.
1: Yes. And I had many opportunities come from just those simple conversations.
0: That's extraordinary. There are people who would say, it's not just being quoted. It's also, as you alluded to, it's at the website, it's the backlinks. Yes. And without going into search engine optimization, your website does better in terms of Google's algorithm. Now, we'll not exclude Bing, but you know, things are changing on that front. But if we focus on Google for now, one of the things by which Google measures your importance as a site, mm-hmm. something is that there are backlinks, authoritative backlinks pointing to your domain. So I guess you don't just want a nofollow link, you want a follow link. Have you thought about that? Or has that been something you've discussed with people? You know, Don't just give me a link, but give me a link that Google says, hey, this is important. And therefore, connecting to or directing to melodywilding.com is, means something?
1: Usually I will take what I can get, to be okay. honest with you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, try, I try not to ask for too much because right. you also want to be, you want to be, you don't want to be a pushover, but you want to be easy to work with. Okay. So most of the time I will suggest to the reporter, this is how I want to be referenced. So Melody Wilding, LMSW, executive coach and author of Trust Yourself. And I will say, if possible, please link to my website and the Amazon page for the book. Now, not always possible. But again, I will take what I can get. But I'm not as specific to say, please make it a follow link. My experience has been that that's been the default for people. So I've never had an issue with that. But um, yeah, that's been my experience.
0: And of course, the more authoritative, the, the higher what's called the DR, the higher the domain ranking for that referring domain. If you can get something like Business Insider, it's a hell of a lot more valuable pointing to your domain than if you get a link from, let's say, something, something com, which is down the list of websites.
1: That is exactly correct. And think about it more qualitatively. If you have someone who uh, you have an HR representative at a company and they're trying to to choose between two trainers, who are they going to go with? The person that has some of that social proof on their website has those logos or the person who doesn't? I think Mm. most of us know the answer to that.
0: That's a great point. When you've you've been quoted in Business Insider, CNN, etc., you can legitimately put your, put their logo on your website and obviously above the fold where people see it when they first load your webpage. That's right. Right. Okay. Um, so wrapping up here, um, the flywheel is the concept that one thing turns into another, into another. And over time, you may not have to chase as many outlets for your expertise because they're more likely to come to you now that you've got that, um, that critical mass of interest and reputation.
1: That's right. Yeah. I haven't used Help a Reporter Out for years because I don't have to anymore. Mm. And so I I think it's a great starter tool if someone is just starting to dip their toes into media or PR. And the goal is to not need it anymore.
0: Yes. Amen. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a work in progress for me, for sure. (laughs) Melanie, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Where would you like people to go to find out more about you?
1: You can head to my website, which is melodywilding.com. You can find information about my book there. I'm also on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. And I have a number of LinkedIn learning courses.
0: That's it. Thank you so much for being my guest again, Melody. And I look forward to hearing more about you. And I'll share, of course, your links in the show notes for this week's episode. My thanks to Melody. And my sincere thanks to you for listening today. If you've got a question or a suggestion, please email me directly mark at trainingbusiness.com. That's my email address mark at trainingbusiness.com. The team, Sam, Joe, James, Turrell, and I appreciate your loyalty and your time today. So, again, please click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes as they come out. There is a fresh episode on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or something else next Thursday. Until then, look after yourself. See you next time.
1: Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.